three, two. Could it be hard times to my mind with situations that created complications in my life? Like my father's past decisions and drug addictions on my mother's death. I love your mom. What's next? Yo, yo, yo. Back. We back. Welcome to Defy, Defy the Odds. Odds podcast. So we're just going to wing today's because <laughs> we were going to have a guest. I was going to invite actually Shane from next door, the, uh, oh, the gym owner. Yeah, just to do like a health benefit and workout benefit. Um, he's super knowledgeable, but he had some stuff that he had to take care of. So that didn't work out. So we're just going to wing it today. I figured, you know what we could do? I could tell a little bit more of my story. Love um, to hear it. And, and kind of just do that. So I guess let's talk about weekly intentions first. First um, things first, as always. First things first, I finished the book. So I did read every day. I actually finished the book this morning um, before I came into the oh, office. Oh, so you didn't come into the office until you finished it? No, I mean, it was just, that was the perfect timing. It was just like I read a little every day. and Stars aligned. Yeah, and it worked out. Um, another note for those of you that are listening, Akil made it to the gym at least one day. I was in there with him. I seen him. That was yesterday, right? I seen him do yeah, it. I don't know if he made it today. I I'm wasn't gonna, in the gym. I'm not going to hold so. my breath, but he <laughs> did make it down there. Um, I noticed that he commented on the YouTube video. I've seen that as well. He didn't want to be called out, so I guess we just got to keep calling motherfuckers out every week. On that note, did we did look on your phone? Did Vic post? I did not see Vic post. At least stories. He might have posted one thing because his lucky ass went to the Phoenix Suns game. Game oh, okay. two in the playoffs, That's he had a cool. suite. Obviously, you know, he does a lot of work in customs with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. So they actually invited him out to be in the suite with him and his lady. So oh. I thought that was pretty dope. Thanks for the invite, Vic. I told him the same thing yeah, this morning. I said, yeah, next time you can't come, yeah. I'll be your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'll be your plus one. Thanks a lot, man. But yeah, I'll go check his Instagram right now because that was actually Vic's intention last yeah. week to just be more active on social media, you know, yeah. comment to his, his you know, peers. I, I need to do the same thing because I'm so terrible at it. And that would be a very stretch of, you know, being uncomfortable, being comfortable, being uncomfortable because I just don't like creating content. This is fine for me, but holding a camera like this and like uh, just. I mean, the, the thing about Vic, what he was saying is. He doesn't need to do much. No, the, he's content got the content is there. Yeah, just the content. Yeah, he just yeah. has to post it, come up with a caption, and essentially respond to people. You know, Chat GPT. <laughs> there you go. Hey, but I am looking at his Instagram right now. Okay. And I do not see any new post. Okay. So we might need to hold him accountable yeah, tomorrow. I think so. All you guys out there, all uh, 45. Actually, no, we got 1,300 views on this. Oh, uh, the video, for, yeah. For the video. Yeah, that's good. Hopefully, do you, you think that it? was because Vic was on it with us and. I think there's a little, there's, story, there's probably think? a little bit of that, but I mean, it's not like we got 50,000. It's not like, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's not a custom. If, if he had that much pull, then, <laughs> you know, we would have got a lot more listens. Hey, uh, next time he's on, we'll have him do a live custom on the podcast. Ooh, probably not. That sounds good. Well, we are starting that custom class. Um, so Rejuvenator and Vic will be launching a custom class um, at our facility here starting in late June. So if you guys are interested in doing a, a custom sneaker class with us, you know, we'll I mean, we'll you guys talk about more that. about this because I know some stuff, but I don't think I know enough and I work here. So like, do they bring their own shoe in? This is a bring your we're going to start off with the basic paint custom class like okay. a, and then we're going to get into decon recon and we'll invite some special 
um, instructors out to come work with us. I, we're, we're starting to work on it now, so it'll be a pretty cool experience, I think. So is this something uh, Rashubinator is still building out, or do you guys yes. pretty much no, have no, everything I, We're just planned. starting it out, yeah. All so, we have is the space. The space, the little creative space. Yeah. So pretty much I bring in my own shoe, or are we going to have shoes for them to purchase so in many worlds? Next door. So we buy do, the shoe. With the, you can buy the shoe or bring your shoe like, in. Like an all-white Air Force One, yeah. probably a basic model. Yeah. They buy it there, and then they come next door. And then are they paying hourly? Are they paying for like it's the class? Uh, so is it like a class, like a college class, where you're paying for eight weeks? And Vic is like your instructor no. for eight weeks every Tuesday. You have these classes, or is it just a one one bang? So it'll be one like a, like a art. You know, when you go to paint, like a like a, a wine, wine and, and yeah, yeah 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 wine and sip class. So similar to that is how we're gonna start it. Um, but once we build out the space and have all the equipment, we might sell actually memberships for people that want to use the equipment and they yeah. can come in and instead of having to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on the equipment, we can supply that. They can pay us a monthly rental fee or something. So, um, Sounds dope. I, yeah, I think it'll be cool. Um, yeah, I think we'll just being able, even if it was like, a, like if you paid for like a semester, you know, and Vic was, that's what I was thinking that when you were talking about, like, is it like a college class where I go and... Every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., Vic is teaching me different things every week. And then at the end of your semester, you have like a full project. Well, here's the thing is we're not even exactly sure what it's going to become. We just need I've been, we've been talking about it for three years, like maybe longer. Yeah. And we just haven't done it. So we're just going to start and then it will evolve as it evolves. Right? Hey, it sounds like a great idea. You know, one, I'm sure there's other something like that similar, but oh, there's, with, there's other people with rejuvenator sure. backing and Vic as an instructor, you know, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to do something yeah, like that. I, th- I think it'll be cool. Um, and, you know, if you want to build a sneaker and, you know, do some cool shit, we'll, we'll be here. If you're in town in Phoenix for one reason or another and you're looking for something to do, um, we'll be able to do that. But back well, to uh, back to intentions. What about you? Uh, what was my, oh yes, my intention. You were going to log into the hey, NACA website. I log in. Okay. And schedule a meeting. So before I could schedule a meeting, I had to submit. Well, first I know one of my intentions I want to work on someday is reading. I didn't read a book, but I read a lot of fucking pages. It probably took me 15 minutes, 20 minutes to read through every little line obviously you know just buying a house is very important and i don't want to just sign up for a program and i you know selling my soul or some shit you know and i don't know what i'm signing so i literally read line by line so i probably read just a whole as much 15 as you. minutes oh, eh, maybe like 25 that's no come on man it, it, all right well i read but yeah so i read i had to read all this stuff i had to pretty much go through bank statements credit card statements contact you know credit card companies to get certain information i had a, a lot of information that i had to upload but Clap it up because I submitted all my documents okay. and I scheduled my appointment. Okay, good. I'll yeah, call, yeah. We'll call so that a win. Call that a win. Definitely completed my intention. So, yeah, next Tuesday, it's actually uh, my first time meeting the guy. He's going to pretty much break down the whole program. I would imagine break down maybe like my game plan, what it's going to be, you know, my timeline of what it's looking like to buy a house, maybe a savings plan, budgeting. I'm not really sure exactly what they're going to go over, but do you you feel like, why do you feel like it's so important to buy a house right now? I mean, it's not, this isn't the right economy. And I understand that. Well, just in general, is it because you feel like that is the right thing to do? And you're an adult when you buy a house, like, like what is the purpose behind buying the house? 
I think it's just basically I'm spending $1,400 wasting it every month on my rent that I could be putting towards something that I own, you know, a, a bigger space, a house, some somewhere when I could go home, I can be actually proud of, you know, I can uh, turn my house into a home, you know, with an apartment. You can't really do that. You know, you really, I don't know. I just always wanted a home. It's kind of just part of being an American dream, you know, being a homeowner. I don't need the white picket fence and a golden retriever, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I definitely just, just want a house, a nice little house. Yeah. It just oh, always been a goal of mine, you know, seeing my sister have a house. My brother's a homeowner and you know, I'm the youngest child. So I just, you know, I, I just want to have a house, man. I don't know. It's just yeah. something I've always wanted. I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people, they feel like it's just part of growing up and the next step when like right now it's not as important as it used to be back in the day. You know what I mean? Like the cost of home ownership is just so expensive. And once you buy a house and you're responsible to maintain it. So it yeah, becomes, for sure. I mean, yeah, there's definitely challenges and tribulations and all that stuff you have to go put through, it, but put it this way. I just put a new AC on my house. It costs 7,000 bucks. So, <laughs> you know, you got to get ready for those types. Of, I'll, I'll get the uh, insurance. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll get the insurance, a uh, little care package for all the appliances. Yeah, that is the thing, like, I, just the generation I grew up in, my father didn't teach me, you know, how to do some of this day-to-day handy stuff. You had a father? I do. Okay. Yeah, He's yeah. around? I mean, I'm not close to him, but, you yeah. know, I, you know, until I was like 11, 12 years old, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Well, I'll get it. I think today, since we don't have a guest, I can actually get into my story a little bit more from, you know, growing up, being born in Tucson. Um and we can kind of get into that, and then you know we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, let's talk about it. So um, before that, though, my intentions again. I still have not drank. I finished the book. So talk to us about this book. Before on a prior episode, you said the book was called Purple Cow. So for people who didn't listen to that episode, maybe talk to our audience on what that book was about uh, and how you plan on applying it to your life. Yeah, I mean, it's really just about being remarkable and doing things that other people are not doing to set yourself apart from them. So really just looking at it through a lens of, and I told you the story, if you see one purple cow in a field of brown cows, you're going to say something and talk about that brown or that purple cow and notice it. It's a similar concept as how can you stand out from the crowd and do something different, really, and just be remarkable with things that you do. Um, so it's pretty interesting. Again, I'm, I'm going to read it a couple more times just so I can really absorb what it's trying to say. But um, it just makes you trying to try to think a little bit bigger. Really. Well, having this creative space and having custom classes taught by Vic, that is definitely the purple cow in the industry. No, I mean, there's a lot of people doing it. So it's not really – I wouldn't say that, but um, – I think for Phoenix, it's for a purple Phoenix. cow. Yeah. Right. You know, because there's other people doing it in other places, you know, Vegas, LA, obviously, shoe surgeons have been doing it for oh, a while. Oh, yeah. Long he time. has the classes for um, sure. There, there's actually quite a few now, but nobody's doing it in Phoenix. So it'll be Phoenix's purple cow. I like it. I like <laughs> it. Have you thought of any other examples on how you can apply that, that method to Rejuvenator? Um, not necessarily. I think it, they'll just come as we really, it's training your brain to really just think bigger. And, and the, the other thing the book talks about is you can't all, you can't please everybody. So it's okay. If people aren't into it, they're not into it. Like, yeah. um, so it, it's interesting. And today going into something else, <clears throat> I went with my EO forum guys to, um, this company here in Phoenix 
and it's so crazy because there's businesses in your area that you aren't even aware of. This business we went to, guess how much revenue they do in one year? Well, tell me about the business Last, so I can guess. So it's an electronics business. Oh. And what they do is they they basically wholesale electronic parts. They have, oh man, I think they said 1.2 million different parts that they sell and that they hold. 500 uh, million. More. More than 500 million? Yeah. A billion? Close. Close to a billion? Yeah, almost, I think it was almost 900 million dollars last year. I mean, just year. anything in, like, the electronics fields and parts, like, What's, pieces for your iPhone, all that stuff, like, that stuff's expensive, it's, yeah. It's interesting because it, you he showed his growth curve, and it was, it was really, it was a great experience because they talked about building culture in the business and some of the things they're doing for the employees. Now, obviously when you're doing $900 million a year, you can afford certain yeah. things. Um, but it was still a pretty cool experience. And just knowing that there's a business that does almost a billion dollars a year with 600 employees, like it's 10 minutes from this office. I um, mean, he was nice enough to bring us in, kind of go over the story. His dad is the one that started it he was an immigrant obviously immigrants they come from a different country with no um opportunity they work hard man so mm -hmm. just they built this business from nothing into you know and really when they really took off was 2020 covid because all the shortage and they just crazy crazy growth it's it was pretty it was pretty cool did you pitch the podcast to him no but Sounds like we got to get him on that. Well, episode. yeah, we got to do a few more, but yeah, sure, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, 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 we'll put it on the the list of possible candidates. Yeah, he was he was a super cool dude. Um, so really, I guess getting into my story, I was born in Tucson, Arizona. For those of you that don't know, it's about an hour and a half outside of Phoenix. Um, born my my mom was from California, my dad was from Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, my mom had me when she was about 32, and I think my dad was 30. Um, oh, so a fairly late couple compared yeah. to most people, I would say. Yeah, they, it was, I was, yeah, it was, I would say I was uh, a little later um, for them. Um, and then, you know, my dad stuck around till I was about three, and he ran off with the Maharaji. Um, which Don't know is, what that is. Nuts. I, I honestly, I, I've done a little research. My mom used to call it a cult, but it's, you know, whatever. But he basically was done and bounced, right? So uh, my mom really raised me as a single parent. and Only child? Only child. So I do have a half-sister that's from my dad's side, but I've never lived with her. Um, I haven't even really talked to her in a, in a while. Um, but he left when I was three, and really I just grew up without any uh, male role model. Um, as I said, my mom never, she never had another husband. She never had a live-in boyfriend. She said she dated guys, but she didn't, there were nobody ever lived in our house ever. Um, and, you know, really, I think I was a pretty decent kid. I started getting into a little bit of trouble, you know, uh, sixth grade, seventh grade, junior high. Um, was getting in trouble, like just not, talking in school, talking yeah, back to teachers, or were you like very, very mild. on the streets? Ve no, 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 very, very mild. My mom, my mom was not. She was very overprotective. It's just you know you're a kid. I think I have a mild form of dyslexia too, so I was having a little trouble learning. So eighth grade, 
my mom put me in, um, uh, what's it called, private school. And because I was failing in eighth grade, I started failing in seventh. They almost held me back. I went into eighth grade and she took me to private school. And I, I may have done it only for half a year or the full year. And that was an absolute shit show joke. So you pay to go to private school and the kids ran that school. Like kids did not get in trouble. It was, it was like totally a different experience from a, a school point of view. Um, so did you get in more trouble because of that? I, I didn't get in more trouble. Again, I wasn't a bad kid. I just was a little, you know, ornery. I don't know. I was just, you know, I didn't have a father. I don't know. I was just kind of rebelling a little bit probably. For sure, yeah. So going to high school, um, you know, I wasn't an overpopular kid. I was just the average kid. I hung out with, like, everybody. So I had, you know, back then gangs were really prevalent. So I had, like you know, friends in this gang, friends in this gang, friends over here. I was just very neutral, I would say. Um, grew up, um, you know, going to school, going to to high school, and really just didn't get good grades. I was failing, like, you know, at least one class um, most Did of the fail time. fail P.E.? No, but <laughs> I don't I don't even know if P.E. was a thing in high school when I when I got there. I mean, computers were barely getting. I remember the first computer in a class. I was in ninth grade, and it was I think my English class. I think it's the first time I ever saw a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it's totally different now. Um, and then you know, shortly after that, my mom basically used to threaten me anytime I'd get in trouble or you know talk back or whatever. Hey, I'm gonna have your dad come take care of you. He needs to teach you to be a man. Blah blah blah. And I'd always like freak out. And finally, she said, this time when I turned 15, so I must have been, I was 15 in my sophomore year, I guess. Yeah, sophomore year. Um, She's like, your dad's going to come take care of you. And I think on my 15th birthday is when he arrived. Keep in mind, I didn't even talk to my dad much. That was going to be my question. Prior to you being 15, what was your relationship like? Non, basically non-existent. He may call me on my birthday, may not. Yeah. Um, I think I saw him two times from the time I was three until I was 15 when he came to take care of me. So um, I think I went to visit his family um, actually in South Carolina. His his dad had money, so he left him some money. Um, and then I have an aunt that lives in Atlanta and I think we went to meet and then one other time he came maybe when I was 12, helped me build like a, he was, he was in the woodwork space. He used to own a company called Fine Woodworks in Miami, Florida. And he helped me build a launch ramp when I used to skate. So I was, I was probably 12, um, when I saw him at that point. Yeah, that's pretty dope though. Um, yeah, I mean, whatever, you know, (laughs) and when, when you don't have somebody around, you don't really know. It's like. It's, it was normal to me, but, like, my friend, one of my best friends growing up, Justin, that lived next door, his dad was always around. Um, so I would do things with them. But it, I never even really thought about it, to be honest with you, now that I'm thinking about I'm sure that it affected me in some way. But So he comes to move, buys the house that I was in, I was raised in. So I don't even have to move. I just stay in my room. It's, yeah, it's pretty... Interesting. It's transition. an interesting, interesting transition. Yeah, it's honestly, I would probably rather moved somewhere else just to break it up. Like even to a different state, you would have been. Well, I mean, like I that. don't. Uh, maybe not a different. I mean, I would have done that too. I would have had no choice. But 
um, just a different house, a different atmosphere, whatever. But it, I mean, it is what it is. And it, again, it makes me who I am today. And as I mentioned, I went from a, an overprotective mom, where are you going? What are you doing? Who are you with? What's their name? Let me talk to their parents, blah, 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 to my dad just not coming home and not being around and not giving one shit. So I dropped out of school very, very quickly. My mom used to take me to school. When he, I moved in with him, he's like, walk. And I'm like, there's no, I was like, right. I was at the cutoff. I was like a little over a mile away. So they didn't have buses that ran to my house because I was just, just close enough to where they're like, you're going to have to walk. Yeah. yeah. But six 30 in the morning when no one's forcing you to go, I'm like, I'm fuck, I ain't going. Yeah. So <clears throat> pretty quickly, uh, just stopped going to school. I started hanging out. Like once I moved in with my dad, I probably went for six months, started hanging out with people that I never would have been able to hang out with before. Um, not that that's a good thing, but, you know, just started hanging out with more troublemakers probably. Was this like freshman, sophomore, junior? So this is this is like sophomore year. So I remember <laughs> when my dad first came to live um, and take care of me, my mom, like, left town. <clears throat> she left her car there, and her key was there, and my dad just wasn't coming home, right? So I'm yeah. 15, and I'm like, I'm going to fucking take this car. So I basically, I'm sure he came home or he noticed because I drove it all weekend. Like I basically was gone till four in the morning with this, my mom's car. Was this your first time driving or have you drove it before? Well, luck, my mom let me drive when I was younger. So like yeah. she taught me how to drive a stick shift and, um, not this car wasn't a stick shift, but I knew how to drive. Okay. Um, not that I've ever been on streets and like <laughs> like responsibly dri- yeah. driven, but yeah, I, I knew how to drive. So <clears throat> I basically stole the car, and I think he knew because when we went to pick her up from the airport, he's like, "Let's take, let's take your mom's car." Did he to ask you to drive? She, well, <laughs> she, she she no no she no he didn't, but she wrote down the miles I think because she mentioned something later about the mileage on the car, mm-hmm. and. I think he was just covering up for me. I don't know. Who knows? Or it's just the biggest fucking coincidence ever. So that was my first time, like, stealing a, you know, borrowing a car when I wasn't supposed to. And I was hanging out with some kids down there. We were going to parties at night. It was just, you know, it it, it was like my first experience doing shit like that. Um, and then really, you know, my dad got really addicted to drugs. So was he a... Uh kind of always a drug addict or you think just he, being in tucson nah, got he, him to that lifestyle he was probably always doing drugs yeah um always smoked weed i know he got arrested in miami florida for uh i guess busted on the being being arrested for being on cocaine or something because he said that he got pulled over and there was a little cocaine residue on his license or I don't know. I don't remember what he told me, but um, he, I think he's always done. It. He was in Vietnam. I mean, he's he basically said Vietnam was one of the best times of his life. So that's that's the type of guy. My dad well, that was also like Vietnam was heavy into like heroin. Oh, yeah. And like all the, my all dad's the done army. Like if you've seen that American. Gangster. My dad did every drug there is for sure. I believe it. Yeah. So. Um, really, that was a new experience for me too. It's because I'd never kind of really been around that. My mom smoked weed her whole life. Um, and I used to hate it, hate it. 
I remember I had a buddy come over one time and stay in the night, and he's like, what's that smell? And we used to have a, a little guest house in the back that we'd rent out, and I knew it was her taking a bath smoking weed, so I'm like, go outside and see if it's them. And I laid under the, the – I said, Mom, what are you doing? Put that out. You know what I mean? Under, you said it, under it, the bathroom how door. How old were you at this this time? I was probably 12. Oh, 12, okay. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't want my friend's mom, like, you know, they're going to go For home sure, and yeah. tell their mom. Mm-hmm. So, but who, their mom, their parents probably smoked weed because they knew what it smelled like. So who knows? Um, but so I'm around all these drug addicts and my dad started selling cocaine. And, you know, I mean, man, there's so many situations. I, I remember my dad getting arrested for trafficking marijuana to, to, to uh, New York I mean, that that was a little later, but, I mean, my dad was heavy into a bunch of different shit, and that's how I really started selling weed, is um, there was a guy that used to live at our house, and he used to have a bunch of weed. They used to have, like, a brick of weed in there, and I'd just go grab some yeah, and yeah, yeah. sell it to my friends for Little free. nuggies. Yeah, and it, I, I think I probably took too much after <laughs> a certain point in time, so they questioned me on that, but... Um, very accelerated growth. Um, you know, we I dropped out of high school and all, all the kids from high school used to come to my, not all the kids, but a bunch of kids used to come to my high, to my house for lunch, you know, just to hang out. It was like the spot. I had a couple other kids that had bad home experiences that moved in with me at like 16 years old. I had a job. That did, I mean, really on my birthday, on my 16th birthday, I went and got a job. What were you doing? Uh, my first job was at a grocery store, bagging, watering, like produce, sweeping, mopping. Um, that w- and I think I made like four bucks an hour or four twenty an hour back then. I mean, it's it was not much money, but I was one of my only friends that I hung out with that actually worked. Um, so I had money in my pocket, and around that time, I think I was, I must have been sixteen. My dad says, "Hey, I'm going to go visit your sister in Aspen." Here's 40 bucks. I'll be back in four days. He didn't come home for two and a half months. Oh, wow. You said 16? 16, yeah. So luckily I'm working. I have, like, I'm making money. But th- that is when those two buddies of mine that had home lives, they kind of moved in because there was nobody there. Like, yeah. we were having fucking part. Like, it was. Was he reaching out to you during this two months or was he missing? I didn't talk to him one time. Couldn't find him. Yeah. Were you like reaching out to him, trying to get hold of him or uh, asking family uh, members? This is before cell phones. So there's no. The pager? There's, I don't even think there, there, there may have been pagers in, but. Put a quarter in a little pay phone. I, I was waiting for him to call. I uh, think I talked, should, yeah. I think I talked to him once. And meanwhile, my mom is away. And she, now I don't know if I even told her because I didn't want to worry. Um, but like, I didn't talk to my mom a ton during that time. Um, so, yeah, just that's the type of shit that I went from really being super um, overprotected to f- as free as you want to be, right? My dad yeah. used to go get us 40s and roll us joints, and, like, m- all my friends thought he was the coolest dude. I was, like, kind of embarrassed by it, but um, it is what it is. So he comes back, and then shortly after that, actually, we went on a, a cool trip to um, – the Grand Canyon. So we did a rafting trip. One of his buddies that he used to do drugs with, they wanted to get cleaned up and they didn't want to go to, you know, some sort of rehab or anything. So the guy, John Markey, I remember his name. He used to row 
um, boats down the Grand Canyon on those rafting trips. So I guess one on one of those trips he used to do, he, he saved somebody, pulled them out of the water because their boat flipped over. So he contacted them, and we went on this 19-day excursion down the Grand Canyon. Hey, that sounds pretty intense. It was one of the best experiences of my life, for sure. Um, like just being with your dad or just being able to No, do my that? dad's a dick. My dad didn't even barely ride on the boat with me. <laughs> he rode on the boat with John. That was they, they, they basically were taking all the shit out. Like the actual shit, because they don't you don't shit and leave the shit there, like the waste. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had the beer, so my dad was fucking drinking beers on the boat. How big were these boats? So there's the dory that we rode in, which is a wooden boat. It's not big. It's like six people, and then there's the rafts. You know, like the the whitewater rafts. Tubes. Yeah. So that's what my dad was on with John. Um, and you know, I think they they got. Somewhat clean. I mean, after the beer ran out, they, say, yeah, besides sure, the beer, the beer did run out. They pissed out all the drugs. nineteen days. I'm sure that. I mean, they, I'm sure he drank quite a bit of it. Yeah. Um, but it was really one of the coolest experiences. I mean, I did get to hang out with him um, after we stopped and we camped and you know we slept in the same tent, tent and shit. That's how I actually learned how to roll joints really, really well because you can't take cigarette butts down there. So I rolled all my dad's cigarettes. It would give me something to do. Um, and I got really fucking good at it, um, just rolling multiple, multiple cigarettes every day um, for 19 days. <clears throat> so that was a cool experience. And then really, you know, I just grew up not really knowing what I wanted to do. Um, luckily, my grandfather had... On your dad's side? Yeah, had had left me a little money, but I had to graduate high school or get my GED equivalent. So I got my GED Um Thankfully, so I got a little bit of money, Disney stock back in the day that I went through very, very fast. Imagine um, if you would have held that till right now. Oh, you I think know. it oh, would yeah. be Who know? I, through the I, walls? I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't want to think about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, because I actually went to community college after that because he also, he was smart, and I'll probably do something similar with my daughter, um, is... I only got more if I went to school. Mm-hmm. But, so I kind like of... college funding. Yeah, I went to... I took the most basic shitty classes and just really milked it for like a couple years just to get a little bit more. And then I was just totally over it. I just couldn't even do that to get the Did rest. you uh, get an associate's at this time? Or you no, didn't even... I didn't. Fuck no. I didn't. No. You just didn't school, was not, home, yeah. school was not for me, man. Um, I had... I was okay while I was there, but doing stuff after I was just, I, you know, my mental capacity, I was just not in a place that that was a priority to me. Um, and then at 19, he knew some dude that was losing a house. So we bought that house. So I actually moved out into my own house when I was about 19. Cause some crackhead that he was out in Tucson as well. Yeah. In Tucson. Um, and that's really when I started you know, selling drugs and selling weed on a, a larger scale, I would say. Um, so I've been, uh, you know, I started, I shouldn't say I've been selling weed, but I, you know, started selling weed at 15 till I was like 32, a long time. Um, that's really what I did. Yeah, um, yeah. And I worked occasional jobs, you know, I, I've, I've went from first job, um, at the uh, grocery store. Then I went to Target. I was at Target for a while. Then I delivered furniture, um, and you know, I've had, you know, random jobs over the years, all realizing 
what I didn't want to do. Well, question for you, just kind of circling back to, you know, obviously you said you've been selling weed for a very long time. Years later, the pioneer of the marijuana industry, was that ever something you wanted to, like, you you obviously knew it. You've done it for so long. You know, now you're a business owner. You know, you got clean money. You never wanted to, like, invest back into that Yeah, I mean, there's, industry? of course, but back in the day, it was such a, nobody knew, like, when it was first becoming legal nobody really knew how to do it and i wasn't smart enough to figure it out like you you yeah, really yeah. have to know your shit um and i didn't have any money back then or else i probably would have um i have an opportunity right now that i may take up that would you don't think it's a little too late like the industry no, already took no, it off no i mean i there's there's lots of opportunity out there still um and i guess if you're a if you're a convicted felon for a marijuana charge you get certain privileges um if you own a uh, marijuana type business now if you're involved in the industry that's wild yeah you think they would like ban you no, from no, like human being it's the opposite they they like waive fees and they like prioritize you a little bit i don't know enough about it I, somebody told me and i was like you i'm like really that's like crazy. a crazy ass loophole okay well then you should pay me to be part yeah. of this so. <laughs> um so Really just doing that over the years. And, um, you know, I remember just being totally lost, to be honest with you. Like, you know, coming after that, again, my mom commits suicide. So I'm now I'm go through this, start selling weed and, you know, getting into some trouble, whatever. Still had never been arrested in my life, though. And then my mom committed suicide when At I was... At what age was this again? I, I think, think I, you know, I think I'd have to look back and look at some information, but I think I was about 17, almost 18. All right. Well, question prior to the suicide, obviously you said 15 years old, your mom dropped, uh, your dad pretty much came over at any point in that time. Did you feel any resentment towards your mom? Like felt like she abandoned you and just put you off on your dad? Not, not really. I don't, I don't think so. Um, I knew that she was struggling with her own thing. And I mean, she had dedicated her life. She just didn't know, how to move forward, I guess, again, and yeah. I wasn't a bad kid, but I was, you know, I talked back and I didn't have a, a male influence that could, you know, put me in check. For sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, I don't feel like I had any resentment. I was just so free to do whatever I want that it was just like a new chapter in my life really. So it just, I didn't even think about that much. Um, and I think I only saw her, she did move back to Tucson, once during that time it may even have been when my dad was gone for two and a half months I don't remember exactly um and then she left and then on the way back from that trip that we took down the Grand Canyon we actually stopped at her house and that's when my dad you know they're up drinking having a conversation I'm sleeping and I guess he told her that he was doing smoking crack cocaine like why would you say that to her right yeah it doesn't sound like a pleasant conversation crazy but that that's the thing about my dad too is he wasn't a great father but he was a cool guy like he 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 could make fun out of anything he he had a pretty bad struggle too so after I was 19 living in the house he actually got throat cancer so he came to live with me on the couch and he lost a bunch of weight and at this point, I got—I think I got really depressed. I went from weighing like 220 pounds to like 150. I didn't eat. I couldn't eat. Nothing sounded good um, because I think I thought that I was going to lose my father too, which yeah. even though I wasn't super tight with him, 
that's you know I'm fucking 19 years old. No, yeah, for sure. So definitely tough situation. Yeah, so basically, you know, I just at that point I think I was bussing tables or something. So I was also in in addition to not eating, I was smoking weed and I was working. I was like walking all day long. So I lost a ton of weight. People thought I was sick and you know had AIDS and (laughs) AIDS. Goddamn. I mean, I went from. 220 to 150. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. A, I, I look dramatic. and I'm not a 150. I went from 150 to 220, so I understand. Yeah, I'm not a 150 frame, right? For so, sure, I, yeah. I, yeah, I was pretty thin. Um, so that was an interesting part of my life, too. I'm in a, my own house, I'm doing whatever I want. My dad's got cancer, um, he loses his teeth, he you know, is addicted to drugs, he's got friends coming by. I remember he was on probation at that point, too, and he was staying at my house during Thanksgiving. And we had a beer, and his fucking probation officer came over on Thanksgiving and and basically arrested him at my house. For a beer? Yeah. That's Damn. how, on Thanksgiving, it's crazy, but he probably shouldn't have had that fucking beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, my dad was basically on, uh, on probation for, I think, five years um, when he got arrested. That I don't even know, man. My dad's been arrested quite a few times. So, um Really, after that, I kind of just did my thing. And um, I'm probably 20 years old. We used to go out and party every night. I'm hanging with the wrong people. and So Akil? Well, <laughs> that, no, I mean, Akil wasn't the bad influence. Um, but it's about around the time frame when you met Akil. That's, that's 20, about 21. the time that I met Akil, yeah. Um, you know, I had a couple roommates to help pay the mortgage and... Um, really my life was about what, where am I going to go? How let's go have this party, right? Like I was basically just a party animal. Um, and I would make enough money to live and party really. That's, that's all I did for quite a few years, honestly, probably almost till I was 30. So from 20 to 30 is kind of a blur, um, which I don't, I, I don't approve of, right? Drinking is not a good, it's, it's not a a good habit to have um, because you, number one, you just lose your life. Right. And a lot of money, a lot of money. Yeah. Just in drugs in general, just aren't, it's, it's not the move. Right. I just think that I, my mental, I was just in a place that I didn't know what to do. I don't know. Um, Nobody guiding me. I had nobody really to look up to or to guide me in the right direction. This is before social media. Now people have social media. They know you can go follow somebody that's successful and you have somebody to mimic. Back then in Tucson, there was nobody like, like I had no family there. All my family was in other states if I had, and I wasn't that tight with them either. So I was really just solo all, all my um, time, like on, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas, I did it at my buddy's parents' house or whatever. So I always got invited to Thanksgiving dinner and shit. Um, so really I, I kind of wasted 10 years of my life doing that from 20 to 30, just drinking, partying, doing whatever it was, um, selling weed. Um, my dad, you know, ended up getting arrested a couple more times. And then, um, you know, I had some really close calls getting arrested. Um, I remember one time a cop came to my house and I had actually moved out of that house that I was in and I was fixing it up to sell it. And a cop pulls up, or this guy pulls up, 
and he's totally undercover, just looked just like me or you, tattoos, everything. And he basically told me to come here. I was like in the yard cleaning or something. And he's like, hey, I know all about you, your boy, blank, um, this, that, and the other. And, you know, basically telling him, telling me he's watching whatever. And by the way he pronounced my buddy's name, I knew he didn't know much because that's not how you say his name. So if you really know, like if you really knew, you would you would have pronounced his name correctly. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I ended up calling him and this is when I was I mean, I had I was sitting on the the stash house and there was five hundred pounds up at my house. So I'm like, we gotta move this shit. I need to meet you. Basically, I met him, we discussed it, we got all that shit out of there because if they he actually said, I know about the house up on Painted Hills where you're staying. So And now you said that was a stash house? That's where all the shit was. Yeah. So I basically we had to go get that shit out of there, like immediately. Um, so we did that. Nothing ever happened to that. But I've man, there's been so many close calls. Um, so I'm doing shit like this for the next ten years. Um, another situation. Five hundred pounds. How much money is that making you? It's off the topic. I'm just curious. Man, I wasn't the main guy in that. So yeah. I mean, that's nothing for Tucson, bro. I mean, five hundred. Well, it's a border. Kind of yeah. like a border it's town. It's a border Everything's town. coming through. Yeah, so there's, and just being in the the network um, I was in, it was just, I mean, I just, I knew a lot of people doing that stuff. Um, so, and that was just one situation. Another situation, you know, as during this 10-year plan, I used to drive loads myself to, you know, Michigan and different places, and I've cowboyed it, right, like, Bales behind the back seat, driving cops next to you, like crazy. That's on the wheel. Crazy. <laughs> I'm so lucky that I never got in any trouble doing that because it would have been bad news. One well, of the, you did though, right? Years later. Yeah. Well, but I'm saying during that period of time, um, because I was younger and just just dumber, right? For so sure. another time during that ten year stint. We're driving, I'm driving shadow. My buddy's got probably another five or 600 pounds in a U-Haul. My, my dumb ass, he wanted to buy my Jeep. So I had a Jeep Wrangler and he wanted to tow it. So it looked like a college kid going, you know, driving. Probably. Yeah. So <laughs> the Jeep's in my name. It's attached to this U-Haul driving through uh, Michigan. And there's a cop in the median cop sees them drives by and I'm driving shadow probably you know half a mile behind or whatever and so cop, what was your job cop pulls over you act reckless so he gets you yes, instead of so him? he comes after me <clears throat> yeah so looks at them looks at me as I pass pulls out drives up next to me looks at me drives up next to them looks at them in the driver's seat gets between us and turns on his lights and I'm like, fuck, what are we, what are we going to do, right? So luckily there was an off-ramp right when he did that. And he's points, he's got his hand out the window pointing like this. They get off the off-ramp, and I'm like, I'm not going that way. <laughs> I go straight, and he comes after me. So they get away. Oh, so, so he was after you the whole time? No, he wasn't. But since I didn't go where he wanted me to go he instead of following them he came after me probably to see why aren't they following 
right? So yeah, he's yeah. in the middle, and I go straight. He comes, follows me. He lets them go. <clears throat> they get away somehow. I don't know how they got away because I'm sure he called people, and they were looking for him. They made it to their destination, bro. Jeez. Um, <clears throat> luckily, I didn't have an, a valid driver's license, so I think that's why it tied me up for a while because – he he couldn't just write me a ticket and send me on my way. I had and we I had like a couple Mexican dudes with me, and it was pretty uh, hairy experience. So he got tied up with us for probably two hours, and then he had to let us go. Um, and it's funny because at that time I think I was making music, and I had a car because I started my I started my record label. What's the name of the record label? I don't even remember, dude. Oh. And he said, yeah, all you guys have that. All you guys do that. I'm like, okay, that's not a good cover, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, stupid. Just stupid, 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 stupid stuff. And I wasn't even making that much money. You know, I was just somebody helping, you know. Um, so lots of lots of stories and experiences in between that time frame. Um, and just being lost, really not knowing what to do. Um, I was a hard worker, but I also didn't like working for people. So, you know, I did random jobs and did different things. Um, and then, you know, my dad ended up passing away, I think when I was 32. At this time, how was your relationship? Was it still rocky? Or were you, you know, it was more? definitely better. I mean, he got arrested again. He was actually going on trial. Um, he got arrested in Memphis I know. Yeah, I think in Memphis, um, there's probably a mugshot of him. But during that time, he also got cancer. So I, I missed a step. <clears throat> during that time, my father, we were going to Costa Rica to visit my tattoo artist. So I, I don't know how old I was. I must have been probably 29 or 30. Um, <clears throat> and he had this big sore on the side of his face. That like was an open gash. So when my dad, how my dad kind of got cleaned is he bought property in Marana and he just lived, I mean, he lived basically in a tent for a number of years camping, like just out in the wilderness. That's the type of dude my dad was. Right. He ended up getting a, he ended up getting a trailer and getting set up out there. But before all that, he was just in the sun all the time. He didn't wear sunscreen, I guess. So he got really bad skin cancer. And so you said he had throat cancer, then skin cancer? Then skin cancer and bad. He let it go. He neglected it for so long that he had this huge gash that it actually smelled. And when we, we went to Costa Rica to visit my tattoo artist, he had this healing ceremony done. And when we came back, he actually went to the, uh, the VA. They cut his ear off and took a skin graft from the back of his leg and basically put like a, he called it his, his head titty. Um, it looked like a fake boob kind of on the side of his face. And that's the type like of a dude, boil or something. No, yeah. it's just a skin graft. So just picture, I got a picture of him in, in my uh, office that I can show you, but basically picture no ear here and just a, like a round skin, like, like a ball almost of skin. Crazy. And I went to visit him at the hospital in California right after he had it done, and he's cracking jokes. And I'm looking at him like, fuck, man, how can you crack jokes? <laughs> so I learned something from him about just not taking things too seriously. Like, regardless of the situation, try to make light of it and do the best you can, because otherwise you're going to be miserable. You do have that brain power to overcome 
that mental thing if you have a strong enough mind, right? Like you can, yeah. you can, you can take a situation negatively, or you can try to take it positively, and it could be the same situation, right? So, um, I did learn that from him, but my dad had he'd been through some shit, and then not not you know a few years later he had a stroke, and my uh, dad's girlfriend called me, hey, he's at the hospital, so I went and visit him, and he ended up dying like a week later um so and and shortly after that i think it was the same year is when i got arrested so and he basically you know i went to california and picked up a bunch of kind kind bud and uh good you know good weed and was driving it back and was dropping some stuff off at this dude that i knew up here um and he had sold to an undercover cop probably who knows how long before and they kept asking him for more and his dumbass is like oh yeah he's he's coming to see me today so they were watching the house that he was in yeah um, he didn't overtly snitch on me he just was not very smart and the thing the reason that I was so successful or or I should say I don't want to say successful when it came to selling weed I I didn't care to be the biggest I didn't care to make the most money I just dealt with two or three people that I knew were good people, didn't have to worry about. Like, I just kept a really yeah, low yeah. profile. So that's why I was able to do it for so long without getting in any trouble. Um, but they were watching him. They followed me. I, I guess I almost lost him without even knowing one time because the cop's like, we almost lost you. Because um, basically I dropped, you know, five pounds off at his house, and then I was going to drop off some more at somebody else's house up here before I went home to Tucson and I'm going to this dude's apartment, leave his house, going to this apartment. And I hear I'm up on the, the top floor, walk into his apartment. And I hear like stomping footsteps behind me. And I'm like, thought I was going to get jacked. So I turned around and it was the cops and my girlfriend at the time sitting in a car. She didn't even see him pulled up like right behind her. And she's reading a book and I'm like, fuck, she's got kids. And so immediately when they took me down there, I'm like, she knows nothing about it. It's in the trunk. Um, I don't, she's not involved. That's yeah, yeah. exactly what I told them. So <clears throat> basically they detained us. That's an interesting experience too. I'm sure they, they basically asked her questions, asked me questions somehow our stories somewhat aligned um and through my dad's experiences with what he dealt with getting arrested he was going to write a book called the grace of the bird dog so basically he got arrested um, when he was going to new york one time and they wanted him to cooperate and so he's like yeah you know he basically pretended like he was going to cooperate he said the guy that was on this end for, for Tucson was living at our house. Mm -hmm. So he basically said, I don't want my son involved. I'll help you, but I don't want my son involved at all. He's 15 years old, whatever. So when, when they let him call the house without being recorded to talk to me, well, the guy that was on this end answered the phone. And he basically said, he was pretending like he was talking to me. So the guy picked up on it right away. Like, and he told the New York guys, don't meet him. Something happened. Something went down. 
So he he worked the system somehow, pretending like he was going to help. So I had this in the back of my mind, and when they they didn't care about me, they wanted me to snitch on somebody bigger than me, right? So they basically start throwing that out there. Hey, you know, we 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 don't care about you. We want to find somebody bigger. And I'm thinking to myself, who do I know anyone that I could do that to? And even people I don't like, I'm like, there's no fucking way I could do that. Yeah, yeah, you're not yeah. in Tucson. No. You know, you well, just in gen- just came at you. Just in general, it's just like, you know, but it goes through your mind, and anyone tells you it doesn't, they're fucking full of shit. Um, so I basically started asking questions. I'm like, so what do you need? I said, I've, you know, I know a lot of people. I just started playing the game. Like, they're playing the game. Fuck, I'm going to play the game back. I'm like, I know a lot of people. I'm like, how much time do I got? <clears throat> and again, I don't remember exactly how the conversation went. I'm basically came to the conclusion. I'm like, so you're going to let me go today. And then I just got to get back to you. And they're like, yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do it. And I come home and I hire an attorney. The attorney's like, well, they're either cut off all communication with them. And they're either going to drop the charges or they're going to file them. Because I thought, I didn't remember them reading me my rights. I didn't know if they did everything legal. I'm like, who knows? So basically, I just stopped communicating with them. But were they trying to communicate with you? Were they kept calling, emailing, showing up at your house? They were. They didn't do any of that. Luckily, they didn't go to my house because I had a bunch of cash there and drugs there that they didn't, uh, they actually didn't go there. Yeah. So, and I was driving my <clears throat> ex-girlfriend's car at the time. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this because she doesn't <laughs> know this. Um, because she had California plates uh-huh. and her trunk was all fucked up. She did ask me like something about it, but I just played it off. She still doesn't know to this day, but if she listens to this, I guess she will. And they didn't take her car either. So basically come home, cut off all communication And then I started receiving, and I I briefly touched on this, I think maybe before, started receiving certified letters in the mail. And I'm like, fuck, what is this? So look into it, and it's a warrant for my arrest because I didn't show up to court. So hire an attorney, come up here to court, fucking nightmare. Um, Basically, they let me off easy because I'd never been arrested in my life. Um, I was 32 or 33 years old at this point. And the judge is basically, he's said, because you've never been arrested, I'm going to go easy on you. Um, gave me 30 days in jail, three years probation. <clears throat> and I think my charges were, uh, it's a class two felony with intent to distribute um, yeah, marijuana possession. Uh, there's probably four or five charges on there. And basically, I, I keep saying basically, but I went to... Uh, Went to jail for 30 days. Luckily, again, I got approved for the work furlough program. So you played the system. So yeah, and so Tent City, which sucked. I was in jail. But from the first minute I was there, I'm like, I don't belong here. I'm not coming back to this shithole. Fuck this. I don't belong here. Um, so the whole time I was there, I'm like, I got to figure out something else. I can't keep doing this. Because I always knew in the back of my mind I had one. I got one strike. Yep. You know what I mean? Like... I can get caught once and I'll probably get off pretty easy. And if I get caught again, it's when you start doing it multiple times that they're like, they throw the book at you and you're fucked. Yeah. So did that, um, got out of jail, you know, early in the morning. Um, anyone that's been to 10 city, it's a man, it's like a, 
It's like a the pure, average person hasn't. So why don't you just oh fuck describe that experience? <clears throat> so, and I, I think I don't even think they have them anymore because it was. I think such, Arizona was the is the only place that had tent city yeah, from Sheriff Joe. Man, I mean, basically to. I'll, I'll, I'll go over it. April, that. so it's starting to get cold. During the day, it's nice. It's around this time right now, actually. Yep. Um, you 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 live under a tent with on bunks with like fifty other people per tent, right? And it's like a POW camp because the girls are right next door. They have loudspeakers outside that they they like talk shit through all the time. They come check on you. They do a bed count in the middle of the night. So you never really get good sleep because they're coming to wake you up. You got to get down and check everything like two in the morning. They probably do it three times. They make you get up three hours before you need, like if you're going to leave for work, you got to go check in three hours early. So they make it just absolutely miserable. And I get it. I totally get it. But it's, it's almost inhumane, really. I think that was the whole thing, though. How can it be inhumane if, you know, uh, the people in the Army and military are sleeping in tents and they're fighting for the country, why can't criminals? Well, that was like the philosophy behind like tent city. True, but it's it's a little bit different because they're probably eating better food. I mean, they don't... The food is just... It's unedible. You don't like green bologna? It's terrible, bro. <laughs> it was terrible. It was, it, it's called emu meat. They don't even give you bologna. It's emu meat. Like, it's it was terrible because I didn't... I barely ate anything i didn't know i saw motherfuckers scarfing down food and i'm like i don't know how the fuck you're eating that i was spoiled or something no uh, slot bags so i did that got out thank god um, luckily my experience wasn't that bad because i got to leave every day and i hustled my way into a fake job so i really they thought i was working but i really wasn't i was going to the gym twice a day and i mean I'd go to movies and go to the mall. And Mm -hmm. so my experience that way wasn't that bad. I just had to go back there and stay there for the weekend. Um, And then I got out and did three years probation. And as I mentioned before, I met my probation officer and I'm like, I'm not going to be any trouble for you. Um, I actually started my business while I was on probation and kept updating her um, and then got off probation early. And that's really when I started the business is I, uh, Needed to do something else, and um, I didn't know what to do, really. And I, I thought of a couple different. I almost like did an installation uh, business for granite because I knew somebody that did granite installation. I would have went and learned with them. I almost did the carpet cleaning business, which you know, luckily didn't work out. And then I had the idea for rejuvenator one night, so I was cleaning some shoes to sell on eBay, and my girlfriend was sleeping. Um, unfortunately for her, she was addicted to painkillers. Um, so that's a whole nother conversation, but, um, came up with this idea that after I'd been putting shoes in a pillowcase for years and years and years, um, I'm like, man, there's gotta be an easier way to do this and just started working on it. I remember waking her up and like, I got an idea for a business like, wait, that's how excited I was. And I, and I knew that there there was an opportunity there just because it worked so well and nobody else was doing it. And this is well, early. at this point, didn't they have something for like lingerie? Like, isn't yeah. there like laundry bags? Yeah. For there's lingerie there's laundry of? bags. No one was doing it with sneakers. Shoes. Yeah. yeah. With shoes. So really just started doing the research. And again, I'm not even a high school. 
I got my GED, but I'm I'm not the smartest motherfucker, right? Yeah. I just saw a vision and I started working on it and I just became obsessed. I really had no I'm like I have to do this. Like I got no fucking other option at this point. So started working on it and you know, it really started coming together and then when I first got the first kit and I gave it to some people. They're like, wow, this is actually better than I thought it was going to be. Like, just the presentation and the whole the brand look and feel of it. And w I have one of the original kits in my office. Um, but I, I did everything. I mean, we're talking, I named it. Um, I ordered the products. I... Stitched the logos, right? I, I heat pressed the logos. The one thing that I didn't do was sew the bags. Okay. Um, I paid somebody to do that, but I threaded all the bags, cord locked the bags, did the brushes, um, packaged everything, like really just did everything to get it to a certain point. Um, and then I'm like, oh, build a website and people will go buy it. Well, eh, 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 that doesn't happen. So I'm got to like, market it. Yeah, well, fuck, I didn't know. Sure, I just yeah, figured yeah. out, put a website up and people will go buy it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work that way. So really started figuring out, well, fuck, how do we drive traffic to the website? And this is about the time that um, I thought of Rob because I used to sell Rob weed. And I know he was really into sneakers and I needed some help. You know what I mean? I'm a little, I was a little older at that point than really the people involved in the sneaker industry. I mean, I was in my early 30s, but that was a young man's game back then. Um, so, really, we started working on stuff. And once we got on Instagram, like, I was doing some Facebook stuff and had done a YouTube video, terrible YouTube videos. I mean, I think it's still on YouTube till this day. Um, once we got on Instagram is when we really started seeing some traction. Um, and really just kept grinding, 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 grinding. And, you know, once we saw some, a little bit of success... We moved to Phoenix, um, and that's the story that, uh, you know, Akil was sharing is we all lived in a house and really uh, grew it from there, and here we are today. Here we are today, but I do want to bring up just one thing. Obviously, starting the business, the biggest thing I'm getting about your story is just really having drive and work ethic. Uh, even Akil, when he, he uh, was on the podcast, he brought up about just your drive. If anyone else – what brought the idea to him he probably wouldn't have you know been on board taking the leap yeah. yeah where do you like associate your drive from like where does that stem from that's a good question I think that you know my dad was a business owner um even though I didn't hung out, hang out with him I knew that he owned a business um I don't know how he was never really very successful um my mom was always trying to start a business um she was always trying to do, and again, it's interesting how the time, it's all about timing too, because my mom was trying to do like a, uh, a business where she connects people like the app, like dating apps today, but she was trying to do it through the newspaper and get information from people and then match them together. Um, so, and I started selling candy when I was in junior high. Like, that was my kind of hustle in junior high. Yeah. My mom used to get me cases in now and laters, and I'd go slang them at school and make money. I was there too, man. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> so I did that, and I, I think I've always been entrepreneurial. I mean, I'm the type of guy I'll come work for you, and then I'll be like, eh, I could do it better. You know what I mean? And 
now that I'm a business owner, I understand where, why other people have a problem because only one person can call the shots. Like yeah. you, you can't have multiple people call the shots. Too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Exactly. So at the end of the day, it just what what I'm trying to create, and it's interesting because that uh, company I went to today, they have a really interesting philosophy that I'm going to actually steal from them. He's going to send me some information on how to do it, but it's about like problem solving for one. They call it a, a one three, a one two three or a three two one. Three, two, one. I don't know. But basically, say you have a problem, and what you need to do is come up with three solutions, three options, and then which one you pick. So I guess it's a one, three, two. Um, and really empowering people to to basically solve problems on their own and just owning their 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 decisions so what if you come up with three answers to that problem but they're just not the right one well that he's there's always a certain case yeah well what he said is does that solve the problem so ask him does that solve the problem a lot of people think they're solving problems but really they're just putting band-aids on things when that's that's what would come of it so he's talking about like their um, employee um, benefit package so they're trying to retain employees and one of the solutions was improve their employee benefits package so they're covering 90 percent of whatever and he said is that going to solve our problem well maybe but probably not yeah you know it may help but it's not i don't think it's a solution for uh, you know retention so um but it will help so it's just it's just empowering your team so i don't have to make all the decisions Right, just For own sure, the yeah, decision. Yeah. Just own it. If it, you if it's not right, at least you made the decision and you acted on it. Um, so again, there's a lot to learn. You know, every day you can learn something new. That's for sure. Yeah. So, really, I mean, that's that's kind of my uh, life story in a nutshell, and that's why I wanted to call this podcast "Defy the Odds," um, because there were points in my life when I felt like I didn't have any options. Right. But if you really want something, um, you're you're going to do what it takes to make it happen. And even in the gym, I was thinking about it today. I'm on the damn stair stepper and I'm like, how bad do you want it, Steve? How bad do you want it? Like, do you, I know you want to quit right now, but how bad do you want it? Are you going to keep pushing through and just telling yourself that? really will help get you through situations where you just want to quit. Cause really, you know, if you want it that bad, you're going to do whatever the fuck it takes to do it. Yeah. 100%. So it annoys me when people say, I want to do this. I want to do that, but they're not really willing to do what it takes to, to get there. Like if you really want it, then you need to prove that. Um, so I, I think that that's one of the reasons that I was able to be successful um, along with, again, I'm pretty self-aware, so I don't think that I'm the shit or I don't think that I'm the smartest guy in the world. I don't think yeah. that I'm the best leader. Like, I, I know that I have a lot of room for growth um, still to this day, and, you know, uh, it's been a learning curve, man. It's been a learning curve. It's just how bad do you want it? 
For sure, man. Well, I appreciate you just sharing your story, just getting a little deeper. Obviously, you know, every podcast, you're just getting deeper and deeper. But just with your story, what would you say the overarching silver lining is? Just never give up, right? Like if <clears throat> if you have a dream, work towards that dream. And even if that end goal isn't where you land, I guarantee you other opportunities are going to open. Do you think going to jail and being on probation, that is oh, was the driving force to getting starting your own business, 100 blessing, making money? 100 blessing in disguise. It's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. I was thinking about getting my pilot's license and, you know, I'm fucking flying to California so I didn't have to drive and, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, he has some narcos. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so honestly, it's probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Yeah. yeah. And that that is finding the silver lining, like you said. Like, when you have a felony, as I do, your options get drastically reduced. For sure, yeah. Um. So either you go sell cars or start your own business or you go back to jail or, you know, if you like money and you like nice things and you want to support yourself and your family and, you know, you, I, yeah, if you have expensive taste, I don't know, man. I mean, obviously the felony was a huge <clears throat> setback, but just looking at you, you're covered in tattoos. Do you think that ever was a setback as well? Like if you wanted to get a job, they would have looked at you crazy because your tattoos? Well, I mean, I'm 46. I started getting tattoos when I was like 24 probably. So, I mean, over 20 years back then, yes. Yeah, it was looked at a... Totally different. Infinite, Everyone yeah. has tattoos now. That's um, what I'm saying. Like, when you were, like, growing up, did, that was that... Well, I, honestly, issue. when I started really getting tattoos heavy, I knew that I would never have a real job. Mm -hmm. I just knew that there's no way I'm going to go work and have a real job. Now, I don't think it would even be an issue, just because lots of people, really successful business... People have tattoos. They just wear long sleeve shirts, um, and it's not as uh, frowned upon. For sure, you yeah. know, you know, it's not. It's not like it used to be. I used to go into places, and people would look at me like I was. It looked at you like you were selling five hundred oh, yeah. pounds of weed. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> they, they looked at me like I was a crazy bastard. Yeah. Um, sure. So you know, yeah, th I would say that's that's the silver lining, and really, just I try to do that. Any situation that has is, could potentially be negative you know i try to find the good how can i find the good in this situation right like how can i flip the script take these cards that i've been dealt and do something good with it because what else are you gonna do man appreciate 100 so anyone who's out there listening that feels like <clears throat> they are their backs up against the wall or they were dealt the wrong cards that that D that doesn't define you, right? Like you, it, you can do whatever you want if you set your mind to it, um, and you can't let that negative mind take over and and say, "Oh, because of this, I can't do this." That's that's you got to get that thinking out of your mind and and think, "I can do this." I've always thought, man, if I really set my mind to something, I I think I could, I think I could do anything, really. If I really wanted it and I were to set my mind to it, I feel like I could do almost anything. For sure, yeah. Except fly. Yeah. Except <laughs> what? Fly. Shit, I'll fly too. You're going to go back and get that pilot's license. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. So, hey, well, we have been talking for quite some time. Again, I appreciate you sharing your story. <clears throat>
Is there anything, any last minute things you want to talk about or discuss well, before we bounce? Let's do intentions for this week, man. Oh, we, we got to bring it back. All right, well, you're still not drinking. You're still stacking not drinking. that intention. I'm, I'm waiting. To, actually, I'll, I'm going to drink next. Next mm. weekend is the 29th. Yeah, it's ne- well, it's next. I told myself till I go to Rocky Point. Oh, you did say that. Yeah, so I leave for the Rocky Point. I leave for Rocky Point on the 27th. And again, I'm probably not going to drink much just because I do feel pretty good. And I don't you got to have a tequila or two. Yeah, no, I mean... You know, a little margarita it'll, on the rocks. It'll, it'll be fun. I mean, we're going with good people, and yep. yeah, it'll it'll be a good time. Um, but let's set some new intentions. I finished the book, um, and that's the comment that I made to you the other day. Is and I thought about this while I was watching some training, some boxing training thing. I'm like, do you want to be a schoolyard brawler? Oh yeah, you told me that. Or do you want to be a prize fighter, man? Because if you want to be a prize fighter, and I'm just talking about in life, yeah, right. You need to put in the goddamn work. And if you're not willing to put in the work, it is never going to happen because someone's going to outwork you. And regardless of the talent, how smart you are, hard work will prevail, I would say, nine out of ten times because there's always going to be somebody that's willing to work harder than you. And if you really want it, I love that. Like, do you want to be a prize fighter? or Did you get that from Shane? No, I didn't get oh, it. From, did. I just thought of it myself because I yeah. was watching something, the Javante Davis fight. I think it happened, right? No, no, this Saturday. It's this Javante Saturday. Davis versus oh, King Ryan Garcia. Who you got? Just off the top. I, I honestly don't know, man. I haven't, I haven't, to be honest with you, I haven't watched either one of them fight yeah. before. Um, I used to be a boxing fan, but I'm more into UFC now. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I think it could be, it's in the air. For I'm going to go for Garcia, just saying. Why? I don't know. He's. Part of the raza. Are you going to do it for the culture? I'm Puerto Rican and white. Are you? Yeah. 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 Okay. But I, I just think he's going to do it. Uh, if you've seen a little press conference, Javante Davis shot through a little jab. He just. He's fast. Yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah. quick. Yeah, he, yeah. he looks nice. But that's where I, I was watching something about them training, watching some show, and I'm like, man, do you want to be a prize fighter or just some fucking barroom fucking brawler? Mm-hmm. And 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 it, it translates to anything that you want to do. Like, if you want to be good and be a pro pros don't just become pros by not working hard like you got to put in the hours oh well, yeah yeah for sure so again if someone's out there and it's not happening fast enough there is the process right and the process is the most fun now that it's a real business and i got shit like i got <laughs> I got my bill today for product that's three hundred and fifty thousand bucks. I'm like, fuck, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, we don't have three hundred and fifty grand in the bank account. So now I gotta figure out, okay, I'm gonna have to inject some money myself. I gotta figure out like it's there's all these things that you gotta deal with now that it's like what what am I gonna do? So, um it's not it's not the the journey of the growth is much more fun while while it's happening than when you kind of achieve some form of success because then it becomes real and it becomes stress and becomes yeah it makes a lot of sense yeah so um, what back to that intentions because we got a lot little off track what's going to be your intention this uh, week? well obviously I'm going to continue my workout journey yep. I've been in the gym almost every tomorrow? day to tomorrow yeah I didn't hit today so yeah, yeah. I was in Monday Tuesday didn't hit today but I'm gonna go today or tomorrow maybe even Friday for Four times in one week. Okay. That's pretty good. But I think to really hit my fitness journey, what I'm trying to do, it's the gut. 
trying to get rid of the gut. So Guys, I think this eat, week eat better. I got to eat better, and I'm gonna meal prep. So I'm gonna go okay. grocery shopping, and I, I'm gonna meal prep. Okay. So I, that's essentially leading more into next week, because you know. But I, I think I'm just gonna be more mindful as to what I eat when I go to lunch. You know, an average lunch say it's ten to thirteen dollars. <laughs> There's some sittings that I drop a 20 piece. Of course. Just because, because yeah. I can. Yeah, because and, you're, you think you need all that food. Yeah, like, because yeah. it looks good and it and sounds good. Yeah, yeah. And I know, like, yeah, I, I don't need that much food. You know what I'm saying? No. I might not need to go back for seconds just because it's there. And so I think that's what I'm just going to be more mindful as to what I'm eating and how I'm eating it. And then really, again, just going into this weekend, you know, I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to buy the little bins. I'm a milk. I might make my girlfriend meal prep, but we gonna meal prep. We okay. gonna get it in, and that's gonna be my big intention going into next week. Okay, so one of the things that we should communicate or discuss in a, in a future podcast is impulse control, because that is something too that like I'll come home from work and my I have a four year old daughter, so we have a bunch of snacks and shit. Yeah, and yeah. She asked <laughs> me the other night, was putting her down for bed, and she's like, "Daddy, how come you eat all my snacks?" <laughs> I said, do you have a job? <laughs> I paid for those snacks. Those are mine. But it's because I come home and I'm like hungry and I'm like, I'll just have. It's there. Simple. Yeah. Fit but fast. that impulse control, that is really, if you can master impulse control, you can master a lot of things because you don't make the decisions that set you back. Like spending money. If you can master that, like, oh, no, I shouldn't spend that, like. If you can, I'm still working on that, man. That is something. Spending money is something that, like, so impulse. I really need to work on because obviously I'm trying to buy a house. I need to save as much as I can. But they just dropped the Thunder Force shock drop yesterday. I try to get them, and I own a pair. Do you think I really need a brand new pair? I don't need them. Why? Why would you? But do, I want dude, them. I, I never buy shoes, bro. And I got. I can afford to buy. Yeah, shoes. I know. But again, it just. I want them. They look nice. And a brand new pair, just having a well, brand new pair of shoes. So here's here's what worked for me. Looking at my bank account. No, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. That looks nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I literally just had this conversation with my friend. I was like, you know, collecting shoes is nice, but looking at the bank account, collecting money, it's a lot it's a lot nicer for yeah. sure. Like, but it's still like I see a hat. I'm like, man, I'm shooting a YouTube video this week. I think I need a new hat. Yeah, that's, got, in, that's impulse control. I got control. 50 hats. You think I really need a new hat? No, but I just want to look nice and I want it. But so, yeah, they're just that's something I definitely need to work on. for So sure. let, let's both work on impulse control this week and see if we can. Before we make a bad decision, whether it's food, because I do the same thing and I'm trying to get in shape. It's boat season. I got a boat that I haven't taken out. <laughs> Coming. I, I got a belly. Ever Summer's since, here. Ever since the wedding, I put on like 10, 15 pounds. So impulse control is something that I've wanted to kind of just focus on myself, just to train my mind, you know, to not just do things impulsively and really think, okay, no, 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 that's not it. Because even after I do it, as much as I like the food or whatever afterwards i'm like god damn it why did you i can just that? say though when i am buying something <clears throat> let's say a hat it's probably in my shopping cart three different times yeah, yeah, yeah. before i finally say fuck it i'm yeah, gonna do it why not so I, I don't just put it in buy it just because but you like, don't need a hat trust me like it, it's it's been in my shopping cart at least three times i got the Here's a discount like, code. Here's I feel a discount like you were code. You were wearing a new sh- pair of shoes yesterday too, weren't you? You said what? 
Weren't you? Were you wearing a new pair of shoes yesterday? Uh, I think I was wearing the UNC fives, but yeah. those were the businesses I was getting them dirty. So they they, oh. weren't, they weren't my shoes. Okay, I'm like I was just getting them dirty. For I, the you walked by me and I'm like this motherfucker. I I thought that for a second. I'm like I wonder if those are ours. And then I'm like this motherfucker bought a brand new pair of shoes that he's not saving for his house. So hey, it's it's hard, especially I'm going to Japan. I was like. I did buy some new shoes out there, some bapes. I was in Japan. Yeah, yeah. It's just you didn't bring me anything back, bro. I told you. You didn't. You said that they dropped something, oh, and I was okay. like, I don't know That's what they dropped. They just had a whole bape store true. with a bunch of stuff. Did uh, he come back yet? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I think sometime this week he's gonna be heading back. Have you talked to him since you left? Oh uh, yeah, message. I actually. So I did buy these like uh, traditional Japanese mask, and again I went back to the shop three times. Yeah, how much were they? Oh, so one was $175, okay. but it was badass. Uh-huh. Badass. Okay. And I wanted to buy it. I literally went to the shop three times debating. I mean, you, do I want that one? Do I want that one? Do I want that one? <coughs> so I ended up getting ones like smaller ones, yeah. but still pretty good quality, but they were like $25. That's cool. That's so yeah, smart. so I was like, I could get two for 50 or this one badass one for 100. <laughs> Should have got the badass one. <laughs> That's what I told him. Yeah. I took the picture and I was like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be at my house and I'm gonna be mad at myself that so I didn't. Did you get... tell him to pick it up for you? No, but what I did do, I told him to get me another one, another smaller. Because that was another thing. I had three masks, uh-huh. one that I didn't like as much, uh-huh. but the two I liked. And I was like, I took the picture and I was like, you know, I'm gonna sit on this. So then I hit him up. I was like, well, we were talking. I said. Hey, go back and buy me that. Because I put them on my wall, and I was like, oh, they're smaller than – I should have got the bigger one. Yeah. So they're smaller than I thought. Then I was thinking, like, if I had that other one down here, it would just create yeah. the ensemble. I mean, I think that's okay. But it's a it's a souvenir of your trip. and Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be meaningful. wall art that I'm going to have for, <clears throat> for years to come. From When I buy my house, I'm going to have those masks, you know, yeah, yeah. somewhere decorated. And that's, that was one of the things I really wanted, that and then – yeah, I didn't need no babes. I didn't need no babe tees, but yeah, that impulse. And then plus it was just spending $320 for a pair of babes here or spending $220, you know, literally saving a hundred dollars while I was in Japan. So impulsive, but I'm gonna work on that as well. Those are pretty much my intentions. Uh, we've been rambling on any last minute things you want to say before we bounce. No, that's it. Um, again, appreciate you guys for watching. Listening, um, which listening, watching, however you're uh, consuming this content. Um, and, you know, if you like the content, share it again. We're not making any money on this. It's we're barely starting. We really don't even know what we're doing. We're just trying to figure it out and having a good time while we're doing it. Hopefully that's, you know, uh, representative of you know what you guys are picking up from listening or watching. Um, but again, just share it if you feel like uh, you like it and somebody you know might enjoy the podcast. Or if so. you're on YouTube, drop a comment down below. Let us know. There it is. We out. Peace. Peace.